So in today's episode, you're going to hear from a fourth generation shop owner. And I think we talk about a lot of great things in here, but one of the big ones that we really talk a lot of the conversation about is diesel technician shortage. And he really doesn't have a huge shortage problem. Like he says it's a little bit harder than it was, but you'll find out what his secret sauce is to not having a diesel technician shortage. And it's always great to pick the brains of people that are in this business today doing all these things to keep the wheels moving. So that's kind of the thing we say around diesel laptops here internally is help, we help people keep the wheels moving. What that means is we're providing them the tools and resources so that they can keep their customers going. And Pardo Fleet Solutions, he's one of them here as well. Well, welcome everyone back to another episode of the DL. And what I love is talking about obviously our industry, right? What Diesel Laptops does, we're gonna to talk to someone today that is actually out there helping people every single day, fix trucks, do maintenance, do all the things that keep the wheels turning. And obviously what we do at Diesel Laptops is one small piece of the puzzle, but I always enjoy having these conversations. I ran a shop for a lot of years, but I haven't done it for a while now. So I get to, I get to actually hear some firsthand experience what's going on in the real world. So uh, Dominic Wapardo, uh, who is the president of Pardo Fleet Solutions, Thank you very much for coming on the show. And I believe, I believe you're in the Northeast area, right? Or are you somewhere else currently? We're currently I'm somewhere else. I'm on the East Coast, the Southeast, put it that way. But well, we're based out of New Jersey. Well, you're a lot like me. Like I keep finding reasons to go further and further south, and I'm not even like up in the Northeast anymore. I grew up in Minnesota, so but I, I'm like I the winters in South Carolina are starting to feel cold to me. So now I'm starting to be like, how the heck do I get away from these areas? Yep, exactly. That's what I'm doing. I'm South Florida right now. Well, why don't we just talk to everyone? I guess maybe let's just start out with who is Pardo Fleet Solutions? Like what what is what are you guys today? Like locations, mobile, in-shop? Like what do you guys do today just so people understand kind of what your business is today? And then we'll start talking about the background a little bit and how you guys got here. Well, what we do today, we're uh, all three. We're truck parts, trailer parts, distributor. Uh, we have a shop inside, you know, operations and we have running 12 mobile units presently and from virginia up to central jersey and central pennsylvania we do on-site maintenance breakdowns uh, our customer base is more or less your major fleets that's who we do business with so i always think it's interesting to hear how companies got started and i think what's unique with your company it's it's a fourth generation company if I'm not mistaken so how did I mean, I can't imagine, right? I'm only like in year eight of my company. Four generations just seems like seems like a distant thing. I have no idea how that even work. Where did you guys start? Like, how did it all begin? It started with my grandfather. He was uh, he had a trucking company that dwarfed in that uh, morphed into a uh, truck repair business, truck rental in the '60s, '70s, and the '80s. We decided uh, my dad decided to open up a truck parts distributor, and that's where I came in, graduating out of high school in the early '80s. Uh, you know, we grew that business to 12, 13 locations in four states, and uh, we sold it in 2015. I went into the freight business for a short period of time, what about 50 power units and 100 trailers. Uh, we shut, I shut that down just because it's a tough business. Whatever you hear about freight trucking, it's 100% correct. The margins are razor thin. Uh, I picked up my picked myself up out of the uh, ashes per se. Looked at my shop. I still had my shop. I'm like, well, we got to do something here. It's the only thing I know. So I went back into the uh, service business, hired some old old employees, 
and we reinvented ourselves going after uh, not so much owner operators, major fleets. And in 2018, we started buying some service trucks and worked that in, you know, worked that in. And um, 2020, my non-compete ended with a big player and went back into truck parts business. Uh, currently, we have an 8,500 square foot warehouse with, you know, all lines direct. Uh, our shop's 8,500 square foot bay. And like I said, we run 11 or 12, 12, 11 to 12 mobile units, and that's growing. So in uh, 2016, 2017-ish there, when you decided to start a truck repair shop, um, I mean, you were doing selling truck parts before this, right? And I, I heard running trucks, but have you ever actually ran a truck repair shop? Because there's... What I've learned with truck repair shops, there's like a hundred ways to lose money and like one way to make money, it seems like, because there's a lot of intricacies in that. Like, where was your experience level owning and running a truck repair facility at that point? Tyler, I was with the truck repair business that was under a different company, uh, Pioneer Truck Sales. And I grew up in it. Eight, nine years old, I was sweeping the floor, picking parts, cleaning parts in the safety clean tank, taking engines apart. So I kind of grew up during that. And then, like I said, in in 1981, we decided to open a truck parts business and I went over with my dad running that and my uncle had the server shop. So kind of like between both things, it gave me an opportunity to learn all avenues. So I, I see a lot of people always asking on like different message boards and Facebook groups, you know, they, they quit their job, they start a truck repair shop, they start a mobile shop. And the first question they always got is how do I get customers? How was it for you guys back when you first started that up, trying to go acquire new customers, find new customers? So just like hanging your shingle, putting your sign up there, and they showed up, or was it was there more you know, to it then? It's funny you say because you know after I shut down that freight business, I had customers come to me and say, "Dom, why don't you go do what you do best? You're a good salesperson. Go out and see customers and make connections." And honestly, that's what I did. I had uh, one or two guys working with me inside the shop, and. Uh, I went out and made contacts on the phone, went out and seen customers and brought them in the door. And basically, this is how we're at today. You know, today we have a director of business development. He lives out in Pittsburgh. And uh, we have a uh, director of mobile operations. He's on board. So we're kind of growing and we're setting ourselves up for growth. Uh, I think the big thing is a lot of these little guys that are starting their businesses, it's going to be hard for them to compete when they have to buy parts from the, the local truck parts distributor, I'll leave it at that, and try to mark them up and make money on the parts. You know, we're fortunate, and I, with the way we position ourselves, we're direct on all the parts. We have a division that sells nothing but truck parts. All, some of my old employees came back, and like you've never heard that before, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they're running and seeing everybody, all their old customers, and selling parts. And <clears throat> that helps us with the volume that we can compete on the service business. You know, the differences between the 80s and 90s, uh, we always had the service shop, but that was a small portion of our business. The core business was truck parts. Go today in 2023, the core business is fleet maintenance and the truck parts are a side business because the way the margins and the whole industry is in the competition. So that that's, we just basically went out and got word of mouth. We hired, you know, we grew. Hey, so we've gone, I think we've gone pretty good in what, six years? Yeah. And I mean, that, that's impressive. I mean, just for the audience here, right? It's like six years, you went from like nothing to having a whole bunch of mobile trucks, a facility. And now we said before, you just joined up uh, with the Aftermarket Alliance, the Alliance to get 
the parts and the purchasing and all the all the things. So it, it seems like you're still you're still in growth mode here. You're still you're still expanding. Is it like just kind of because you have to to keep up with customers? Are you guys being aggressive in that area, or what's your what's your philosophy on expanding? A little of each. We're trying to be aggressive uh, because we have a certain I want to have a certain position where I want to be at and grow it. And that's just part of being an entrepreneur. You know that you're never satisfied or happy where you're at. You always want to be bigger and better, which isn't always bad, which isn't always the smartest thing, but that's another story for another time. Um, like I said, we're, we're presently wherever I can get techs, mobile techs coming on board, we're, you know, I'm hiring them and buying a truck and putting a truck in the market and uh, work with our present customer base where they have different branches. Yeah. So I, by the way, I totally get you on the whole, like you're never satisfied. I remember working for somebody else and I'd have like record sales months. And then I'd immediately, I'd be happy for about a second. And then I'd be like, well, now I got to go do that again next month. Like I got to go, I got to go raise the button. I'm still that way with my company too. I'm like, oh, wow, we had a record month. I'm like, wait a second. Now we got to do that again. Like it's like a never ending thing. So like I, I get what you're saying when it's not always a, like people hear that like, oh, that's a good thing. No, it's not because you're, you're never content with what you got. You're like you're always chasing the next thing. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get out of that a little bit, but it, it's what's helped driven and, and grow my company. And it sounds absolutely. that mentality is you as well. Oh, well, absolutely. You're not a. But you're an entrepreneur if you're happy where you're at. You're always going to be challenged to move forward. And that's kind of like where we're taking us to the next level. You know, my son, he's he's involved in the business. and He's the operations officer bringing us up to the next level technology-wise, uh, customer service-wise. That's his that's his uh, thing. Uh, we got another generation in here operating the business. So we talk here a lot about the diesel technician shortage. And, you know, as you're growing here and you're adding mobile guys and in your shop, how has it been for you guys in the Northeast? Is it is it hard to find guys or gals? Is it easy? Have been able to retain them? Like, what's your what's what's your landscape look like up there for Pardo Fleet Solutions with diesel techs? Honestly, it's until this recent year, it was okay. You know, you get waves of people coming and going. This year has been a little tougher. Uh, it seems to be because I guess everybody's paying a lot more money, and you bring a guy in and his present employer, hey, we'll give you that much and more just to keep them. So it's a challenge all the way around. You have to get somebody that's not happy where he's working at. Uh, as far as retaining our techs, we normally retain our techs. We have a very, very small uh, churn on techs. I like to take care of my guys. Uh, you know, we do shoe, you know, shoe allowances, tool allowances. And, you know, I think the most important thing, not to give too much of the secret sauce away, the guys all know they can come to me and my door is always open. That's why we always ran our businesses. You know, employees can always come to me if they have a problem. We talk it through, if it's personal or business-wise, and that means a lot. I'm not—they're not just a number or, or a name. I know all my people's names, and I will call them every so often. And say, hey, uh, John, how you doing? How's things going? I heard you were sick, or your wife was sick. Even though I don't see them every day or talk to them, they still know who I am. I think that's that's a big thing being a family business. So we're caught between being a big company and a family business, mom and pop operation. Yeah, I think you hit on one of the key points there that a lot of these bigger corporations totally like whiff on and that's retention. And I think you hit the nail exactly on the head when you're like, look, if people are happy and they enjoy where they work, they're not gonna go leave for a buck or two more an hour. Like that's that's not the reason people leave the place they work. They usually leave the place they work for like either really big pay raises or they go leave because of um, they're just unhappy. They don't like their boss, they're micromanaged, they don't like the jobs they're put on, the shift they're on, they're, there's something else going on there, their coworkers, they're, whatever it is. 
that's one of the problems they have. So it's really kind of refreshing to hear you say like, oh, it's retention. And that's that's really that's really the truth what it is. Everyone I talk to that says I have I don't have a diesel tension problem. They always I always ask about the retention thing. What do you guys do? I've seen the posts that you've done on Facebook. Your technicians get new boots. I see you talking about them on, on LinkedIn. I see all these things. So you can tell that's what's going on there. So I'd be really curious for those that are on the video portion of this on YouTube, love for you to drop in the comments what it's like in your area and what your company does to retain you. I think that'd be like an interesting insight for some diesel technicians to, to drop that in there. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about too is you're unique in that you have a mobile operation and you have a brick and mortar. So brick and mortar, I mean, I think there's pros and cons to each. Um, and I, I've, I never was a big fan of the mobile stuff because I was a dealership guy and we kind of didn't do mobile because we didn't have to. And now that I'm in the aftermarket and I see a lot of these companies growing and expanding with the mobile, I'm like, oh man, it's less capital to go do that <coughs> than build a new shop or expand bays. Um, you can go, go further, you can find new customers, expand your territory and do all the things. Um, has that been, has that been your case? How's the mobile business? How do you guys do the mobile business versus the in-shop business? Where, where's the pros and cons for you guys in these? Um, actually they kind of work hand to hand for us, especially in our, in our home base area. Uh, we go out and do PMs on customers, trucks, or they'll call me and say, Hey, we got this problem. Uh, my tech, my mobile guys go out and you know what? This thing's really needs a clutch or, or something. We need to get it to the shop and nine times out of 10, they'll tow it. 40 miles, 50 miles to our shop. So it kind of feeds our shop and they, they work hand in hand, just like the emergency breakdown. Uh, we've got a lot of guys go emergency breakdown for uh, after treatment issue. Next thing you know, this truck's being towed into the shop and the guy has a $15,000 repair bill because his DPF, you know, blown apart and DOC's wasted. And that's what you're seeing a lot now. And uh, my, my two businesses kind of feed hand in hand because of that. Uh, we work together. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. And I, I think, I, I guess I'm curious too, just because I'm, you know, Northeast, I always think it's more expensive up there. Can you say like either what your hourly rate is or what the average hourly rate is or what people can expect in that neck of the woods? I think in our neck of the woods, yeah, dealers are probably 150 and, and north of that at the moment, uh, because for whatever reason, most shops are probably in our neck of the woods are probably right around 150 an hour. Yeah. What about the mo would, mobile guy? Do you guys charge more or less for the mobile stuff? We charge a little more for that at times. And sometimes it's, you know, it depends who the customer is. All comes down to volume. The more volume you give me, the better deal I can make it. Just like when you buy, you're buying brake shoes, right, yeah. Tyler? Yep. You know, you're only going to buy two brake shoes. You're going to pay more than you are buying two pallets of them a month. So yeah. that's the same deal. We, kinda, we work on a case-by-case -case basis. Would it make sense for us and the customer to try to save them money? That's our main thing is trying to save the customer uh, a buck and getting keeping his fleet running. Uh, we have guys at work seven days a week, man. They go out, you know, the guys, tr our customers' trucks only down on weekends. We're scheduling PMs on Sundays and Saturday nights. And you know, I've had I've had texts recently working on customers' trucks to get them up four in the morning working till Damn. you know start at eight. Yeah, yeah. And, but that's what my team does. We have a great team. My team puts it together, and when they need to, you know do it they do it and keep the customer running keep them happy well and i, I appreciate the, the text and my whole team actually yeah i mean that. it sounds like it right like i remember being a dealership and it'd be like well six o'clock close the doors we all go home right like there wasn't a lot of weekends or nights we didn't have the mobile operations does that make it i mean i mean that's a i feel like God, that's a lot to ask an employee like hey i need you here till three in the morning to go get this guy back up on the road or work saturday or sundays is it 
does that is that make it even more difficult to find these guys to go to these mobile operations and remote stuff for you guys? You see, the mobile techs are a different breed than the shop guys. My shop guys, they're happy with 40, 42 hours a week out the door five o'clock. They're usually gone, no weekends. The mobile guys, they thrive on it. I mean, it's why it's hard to find mobile guys when you get them, you keep them and do what you need to you know, make them happy. These guys, some of them like working those hours because I've had some guys tell me, hey, you haven't called me lately at night because I'll take I'll take the breakdown calls myself at night. I'm like, well, you complain that you're working too many hours. Oh, no, I'll work. But you, I see, you know, you know how it is. Some of these guys, they complain one hand, but then when you stop feeding them, they're like, yo, give me some more. I, you know, <laughs> I've been, I'm used to 65 hours a week now. And they're happy with that. Yeah. Other guys, they want to work 40 hours or 45 hours, mobile guys. And I try to, we accommodate them and do what they need, you know, what makes them happy and within their family or life. I try to give the guys balance of family and, and business wherever they want to be. That's how, that's kind of like more flexible also. I'll work and do what, what they want us to do within reason. So and yeah, that, that for the morning thing, that's like that wasn't normally that's an an odd thing. We have a fleet that's their trucks are in shambles and they need these trucks, you know, PM'd and going over. And this is kind of what we're doing. It's only for a short term, but this is the kind of service we we uh, give our customers. Yeah. So and this is gonna maybe surprise a lot of people listening or watching this, but uh, diesel laptops we actually employ around forty diesel technicians. Um, or you even call them ex-diesel technicians because they don't actually work on anything anymore. They're our subject matter experts or they're in our call center dealing with customers over the phone, doing tech support. And it's interesting because a lot of them, a good, a good portion of them come in and they're like, yep, I, I don't want to wrench anymore. I'm tired, blah, blah, blah. I just want to, you know, something easier. And like, oh, yeah, air conditioned office and cubicle or work from home, right? And just answer phones all day. And you can tell the ones that aren't going to make it by like day three because they're already getting like antsy and they're complaining like their hips hurt from sitting so much, you know, and you can just yep. tell they're like, this isn't, this, okay, I thought I would like this. I don't like this. I'm going back to, I'm going back to wrenching. And you're all right. It is a different breed and a different mentality. And some people, they just, they thrive on it and they, they absolutely love it. And they can make some really good money doing it. Um, how are you guys with new tech? If someone comes in that's inexperienced, are you, are you looking to bring them in and put them on summer's wing and get them, get them trained up? Or do you guys stay away from kind of the newer, the newer people entering the field? No, we, we do. Uh, if the guy, uh, whoever the technician is, comes in and wants to learn, we'll we'll work with them. We put them through training. All my techs, we have an in-house trainer. Uh, my techs all go through probably five hours a month, six hours a month in-house training them from the manufacturers and uh, product knowledge online. So that's one thing we do different too. We know, and we do that during the week. And I say I'll have a guy come in. Hey, come in from eight to eleven before you get your shift started, do some training, and then you start your day then at that point. So he clocks in, he's on the clock when he's being trained. Yeah. I don't mind investing money in my people. Uh, as long as they want, you know, they want to learn. You get some guys, some some people, because we have some women that come have come and going, yeah, they don't want to learn. They just want to get a check. And they're not really into it. And others, they thrive on it and they're still with us. You know, my, I'll be honest, my people, we lose some techs here and there. There's numerous ones that have left and they come right back. They're on the second tours of duty with us because they realize, hey, you know what? It's not that bad here. This is, compared to what's out there, this is it. And I've had I have people working for me that work nowhere else but for me. And they're 45 years old and they started with me when they were 17. So, you know, we try to take care of our people. And I always tell people, I say, listen, you're a team member here. When you're working here X amount of years, become a part of a family member. 
and that's how we treat them. You, you know, you're here. If you need help with anything, you let us know. We'll take care of you. You know, and that's part of my secret sauce here, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge part. I remember, you know, when diesel laptops, when I was, you know, I mean, we're around 200 employees now, so it's different. It was so much easier for me when we were smaller because I got to know everybody. I got to know their first names, brought them to lunch. Heck, I hired most of them. Like, I didn't have an HR department. I was the HR department, right? So it, it was, yep. you, you just get a different relationship and a different... <laughs> A, a, a different thing, right? Like you just, you know, the people more, you trust them more, you, they have more leeway. And the great thing is, I, I always say this, every time I see a company that really succeeds and does well, the common denominator is always like, they have a great culture and they got people that stick around, they got high retention. And it's it's almost like a family atmosphere going on there versus the people coming and going all the time and everyone's there for a paycheck. And those ones never seem to produce the results that that first group does. So what you're doing is, it, it, it's impressive and it, I hope people listening to us understand how important that is. It doesn't sound important, but it is really important to the business yeah. if you want to succeed. Well, that's my job. My job is to make sure all our team is happy and listen to their issues and try to, you know, come to fix them if they'll fight, if at all possible. Um, I walk through the shop when I'm, at, when I'm up in New Jersey, I walk through the shop a couple of times a day and just look around what's going on and see a guy working on something like, Hey, you know what? Look at that. You're doing a PM. Look at that guy. That shock. Did you pick that shock up leaking? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Well, those shocks leak a lot on these trucks. And that's my, part of me. They know I'm, I know somewhat what I'm talking about. I don't turn wrenches anymore, but I came up through the ranks. Yeah. And I know a little bit about what I'm doing. Uh, you know, we've we've invested numerous amounts of money in our shop on uh, the Coney uh, post lifts. The guys there, they were. My guys fought me a little bit using them, but after they got used to them, they're like, this is great because they could PM a truck faster and look up under them and you know, pick at things they couldn't find air leaks before getting up under some of these new trucks that are so low to the ground. Yeah. So for the audience, that if they're not familiar with what he mentioned there, these are the actual lifts that lift the truck like off the ground so you can literally walk underneath them and not be on a, be on a creeper. And I'll tell you what, like I see them at trade shows and they got the trucks on them. And I refuse to walk under those things. And I know, I know it's like a mental thing, but I cannot do it. I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm not doing it. I, I, I know they're safe. I know they are. But they, they do save like a tremendous amount of time and the wear and, bear, wear and tear on the bodies of the guys working on these vehicles as well. Yeah, that's – if you don't have them in your shop, you're missing the boat. That's what you, you – know, hopefully you have a roof high enough to lift them up. But it makes a lot of jobs a lot easier. I've had – I have one specialty piece of equipment – we had to pull the transmission out real quick. I'll tell you this. And I asked the tech, I'm like, oh, how long is this taking you? He goes, if you didn't have these lifts, how long would it take? He goes, oh, Dom, it was at least twice the amount of time yeah. to do this transmission job because he had so much stuff on PTOs and pumps. He goes, we'd have these lifts. It'd be twice, twice the amount of hours easily to do this. Yeah. So they pay for themselves also. Well, and it's always hard to introduce change and something new to people, right? They're used to doing it the way they think they do things. It wasn't their idea. And now you're like, you got to you gotta use this. And they're like, why? I was a shop manager before handing people new technology or new things. There was always that hesitant pushback, usually with technicians. So good to hear everyone's using it. Uh, I also think I saw on your website uh, some DPF cleaning machines on there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's not a cheap business to get into like that's pretty substantial investment you got to make in that equipment how's it been for you guys I, i'm assuming a lot of competitors have popped up through the years now doing dpf cleanings and everything else going on can you talk about that side of the business a little bit sure we uh we've gotten into that we have the fsx machinery we bought that probably in 2008 so we were we were one of the first ones to get the machinery and be on the uh, cutting edge of the technology which is now like you said it's a lot of 
a lot of people have this these uh, cleaning machines. Um, what makes us different as a shop? There's not many service shops have independent service shops can afford that money or want to invest that money in their own cleaning machine. They're sending it, sending them to guys like myself. Us, we could turn a truck fast and do that. Uh, clean the DPF, and we do some you know we do some competitors and some fleets. They'll throw them our way also, but I mean it's a great tool for our shop to uh, offer that cleaning. Well, I love the truck repair business. Like I grew up in it. My family owned one. I was a service manager, service writer. I did I did all the things there. Um, I've worked in parts and I've worked in sales and management. The shop was by far the most fun I've ever had inside a truck dealership because it's every day was something different and there was something going on and someone needed help. And it, it was just a great learning experience growing up for me being able to hang out in a shop. So it sounds like you got to hang out in a lot of shops as you were as you were growing up and still get to go play around in shops as well. But Dominic, I just want to thank you for coming on the episode, talking a little bit about your business, a lot, a little bit about your mentality and how you go through with technicians and retention and all the things we talked about today. If people want to learn more about your business or connect with you, where should they go? Uh, you can go right to our website, uh, www.pardos.net, or you can come up, email me directly, um, free, or look me up on LinkedIn. I get a lot of people from LinkedIn look at, you know, checking us out, just you know, like yourself. And if you want to shop, go with diesel laptops. That's what you need to do. Right, Tyler? Hey, I appreciate the shout out. And by the way, I looked before the episode. We had almost a thousand mutual connections between the two of us on LinkedIn. So I'm like, oh. that's one of the biggest numbers I've seen. So uh, it, you you post a lot on there. I love seeing what you guys have going on in your business. I, I love just following people in my industry in general. So we're going to call this one an episode. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, like, comment, share, subscribe, all those things really, really help us. We do much appreciate it. It's not always diagnostics done right, but you have customers out there like Pardo Fleet Solutions that are helping to keep the wheels turning. We're all just doing it. We're all trying to do the same thing. Help get the equipment back in the road as quick as possible, preventing it from even breaking down to begin with. We're just all taking different angles and approaches at it. So we will catch you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.